0: Welcome back to Health Check. I'm Heidi Godman. If you're just joining us today, we are talking about the anticoagulation clinics at Sarasota Memorial Hospital. We have a whole group of people here in the studio from SMH. We have Frank Morgan, who's the Executive Director of Ambulatory Services. We have Abby Holliday, who's the Manager of Ambulatory Services, and she's in the Cardiac Division. And we have Nina DeAndrea, who's a nurse practitioner, and she works in all of these clinics. So we are talking about the anticoagulation clinics And what would bring you there? And let me start with you, Frank, actually, because if someone is just tuning in, where are all of the anticoagulation clinics?
1: We've got uh, seven of those, as as you've mentioned. So we've got one at our new facility out at St. Armand's. We have one at the main campus within the Heart and Vascular Building. Uh, We also have one at University Parkway in Honore, uh, up at Heritage Harbor off of State Road 64, uh, down south uh, at Clark Road, our Clark Road facility, and then a little farther down at Blackburn Point and then our Venice location.
0: Okay, so that's a lot of anticoagulation clinics. And when are these <laughs> clinics open? Abby, can you tell me about that?
2: Sure, so the the days um, of the week vary across the board, but our clinics are all accessible by phone, Monday through Friday, 8 to 4.30. Um, information on all of our clinic locations, addresses, our main clinic Uh, Phone number is all listed on the smh.com webpage, and you can view uh, also a map of all the locations.
0: Okay, terrific. So if you really want the nitty-gritty details, you can go ahead and call that way and and look at smh.com. Find the number of the particular clinic that you need and then go. But let's find out why people are going to the clinics to begin with. And again, I want to bring in Nina DeAndrea, who's a nurse practitioner. So Nina... Uh, there are a number of conditions that would warrant someone taking a blood thinner. And for everyone who is listening, thinking, I, I've heard of blood thinners, but I'm not sure what they do. What are they?
1: Well, the anti- SMH anticoagulations clinics, as we had said before, manage warfarin or Coumadin or Jantavan. Mm-hmm. It's all the same type of medication. And what they do is actually... We use the term blood thinner, which is like it makes the blood thinner. But in reality, what it does is disrupt the our clotting cycle of our blood, how fast it clots inside of our body. So it makes that time, it makes our blood not clot as fast so it doesn't form a clot.
0: So they're anti-clotting. Yes, anticoagulation. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I I, I know a, a vascular surgeon. I'm sure you all know Dr. Russell Sampson. Mm-hmm. He he goes nuts whenever I talk about a blood thinner. He'll say it's not a blood thinner. I don't like that name. So and, and he doesn't sound that girly when he says it. By the way. So but but so this is what uh, the anticoagulant clinic really is helping people with if they're taking these medications. Why do you have to go to a clinic if you're taking this medication?
1: Because it requires. Um monitoring there is what's called a therapeutic range so depending on the diagnosis say if you are a patient that has been referred to our clinic for atrial fibrillation which is an abnormal heart rate an irregular heart rate and that's a electrical problem there's many ways to treat that to try to get your heart to come back into regular rhythm some people get shocked back in possible possibly with cardioversion. Sometimes some of the electrophysiology cardiologists will do what's called an ablation. They actually sever some of the electrical connection to try to stop that irregular heart rate. Or people are managed by antiarrhythmic medications. That's probably our biggest patient population. So the way warfarin is formulated and how it works on the very complicated uh, coagulation system in our body you need to keep it within a therapeutic range. And so, monitoring patients, we're able to keep them properly anticoagulated. You don't want to go too low, and you certainly don't want to
0: be too high.
1: Exactly right.
0: Too high, you're at risk for a blood clot.
1: Too high, your blood would be, quote, too thin or clots or is not clotting fast enough, and you'd be at risk for bleeding. Okay. So if I've got you, it the
0: other way. I've got it reverse. Too that, high too high is too risky. Too low is also risky for the blood clot.
1: Right. Okay. Exactly. So you have to
0: find that sweet spot. Right. But you would think that if you're taking this medication, it's all going to be okay. That's why you take
1: medication. But that's not the case. There are many factors that, of course, interfere with any medication. Our metabolism is probably one of the biggest things. Um And then warfarin is very, it's a a medication that works with vitamin K. So vitamin K is that vitamin that all of us need for our blood to clot properly. It's in leafy greens, cauliflower, broccoli, green tea, those kinds of foods. And warfarin works by stopping some of that, our body's absorption, and that's how it makes our blood thinner or not clot as fast. So it has... So people really have to balance their lifestyle, their dietary habits to stay within therapeutic range.
0: All right. Tell me again about vitamin K and the impact of that.
1: Well, that is a very important vitamin that if you and I didn't have any in our body, we could, I always say to my patients, you know, it helps us not bleed to death Mm -hmm. because it helps our blood clot. So the warfarin interferes with that absorption through the intestinal tract and that that's how it makes our blood thinner or not clot as fast. It's st- it's an antagonist. It stops some of that absorption.
0: So vitamin K can then interfere with it.
1: No, it 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 stops some of that absorption. So if a patient eats more vitamin K, it could actually make their blood thicker again.
0: Mhm. All right. So it, it can it can work against it.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Okay, all right. So so you have these clinics and you have the ability to monitor the thickness of someone's blood. And then what if you find that it's getting too thick? What do you do?
1: Then we adjust the dose. We have a very um, standard set protocol that we have gleaned, or I guess that's maybe the best word. We have looked at the American College of Somebody, some American, cardiology? American College of Chest Physicians Guidelines, they have this gigantic publication on anticoagulation and their recommendations, so we took our protocol from that, so we have a very standard protocol of our percentages and how we uh, will adjust dosing so patients get into that sweet spot, that that therapeutic range.
0: Okay. All right. So there are a number of things that you can do in those cases. And let's talk for a minute about the kinds of conditions that warrant someone taking a blood thinner. We've mentioned... Deep vein thrombosis and atrial fibrillation and also maybe if you've had a stroke. But let's talk about those conditions themselves. So uh, atrial fibrillation. We've mentioned that this is an irregular heartbeat and this is when the heart sort of quivers a little bit uh, because of this irregular heartbeat. Do we know what causes AFib?
1: Um, I wouldn't say for certain because I'm not a cardiologist and not up on the latest research. I think there's many factors, um, age maybe other medications, maybe sometimes.
0: But age, I think age is the biggest risk right, factor yes. too. Yeah. So and in some cases we don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Even drug use, um, illicit drugs, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. What are some of the symptoms
0: of AFib? Do we know?
1: A lot of people will complain of lightheadedness, fatigue. Those are probably the biggest one. Or sometimes patients will say, it feels like my heart's racing and it Palpitation, it feels funny. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, people don't even know that their hearts are regular. They don't have any symptoms. And that's very common.
0: Sure. And then it's discovered just sort of in an accidental way. Yeah. And then I've also interviewed people with AFib who say it feels like there's an earthquake. Happening, you know, so uh, a lot of different potential things. And maybe you have palpitations one day, but then nothing g- can be found and it right. seems okay. 15 years later, then you get AFib. So uh, a lot of women, especially, have palpitations and then they're sent home saying, Oh, you know, there's nothing wrong. And then years and years later, well, turns out they had AFib, but you just couldn't catch it. So all right. the more important to stay on top of it. So when you have AFib, and maybe you have symptoms, or maybe you don't, the typical treatment is
1: generally, you know, it's the the physician will look at you know the patient's history and everything that's you know going on and combined and make that decision whether it's going to be medication management, medical management. Um, some of the modalities modalities that I mentioned, where they shock your heart back, cardioversion, um, or like the ablation, where they sever some of the electrical um, connection mm-hmm. in the heart. Generally, I think most cardiac physicians—correct me if I'm wrong—usually start with some kind of medical management and antiarrhythmic medication mm-hmm. to maybe slow, if. If the patient's in atrial fibrillation, if their heart rate is very fast, they'll give them something that will slow it down. And often when the heart slows down in rhythm in rate, the heart will kick back into a regular rhythm.
0: Now, the people who have AFib who come into the clinics where you are, are, is their condition pretty well controlled, usually just with medication? What percentage, you know, just ballpark from the people you see, would you say uh, are having a lot of of luck with that?
1: I would say that Maybe seventy to eighty percent of people are fairly controlled with medication.
0: Medication alone and then maybe twenty to thirty percent have to go on and, and seek other means. Well it's yes. it's certainly reassuring that they have a place to go to to make sure that they're doing well on the anticoagulants. Uh, So uh, we want to find out a little bit more about the clinics. If you're just tuning in, we're chatting about SMH's many locations, the anticoagulation clinics. If you're interested, uh, we have lots of folks here in the studio who are telling us all about them. Let me go to Abby Holiday, who's the manager of ambulatory services in the cardiac division of SMH, and tell us again about the clinics for someone just tuning in.
2: Sure. So as Heidi mentioned, we have seven anticoagulation clinic locations scattered um, as far north in Manti County at our Heritage Harbor location and as far south at our Venice location. Um, appointments can be made via physician referral. That referral can come from your cardiologist, your primary care physician, your vascular surgeon. The referral could also come from your physician up north. If you're a seasonal patient and here for the winter, we're happy to take on the management of your blood thinners while you're here in town. Um, all this information is on the smh.com website, including uh, locations, hours of operation, and our phone number to access all of the clinics is 917-8889. 917
0: is the way that you could call one of the anticoagulation clinics and get some information or just go to smh.com. Terrific. All right. Well, we are going to continue speaking with the folks from SMH about the anticoagulation clinics. Meanwhile, if you want more information, give them a call 917 or check them out at smh.com. You are listening to Health Check with Heidi Godman on WSRQ. We'll be right back.